Good morning, Woodland Hills. Good morning to you that are in the house and those of you who are not local. Uh, it's good to have you joining us uh, and in this kingdom moment, this service that we're having. I so appreciated that last song. Uh, it was the kind of jolt I needed. You know, uh, to really believe that, that we know the end of the story and that's our victory and that's our hope. Uh, man, that becomes more and more precious the less the world offers you things to hope in. Do you find that to be the case? And I'm finding it easier and easier to put all my hope in Christ because the competition is dying out. <laughs> Everything seems to seem kind of hopeless. And so there's the silver lining in that dark cloud that we're in. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about this morning. Well, we're in the middle of a series uh, that is based on Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 3, which is a sub-series that's part of our bigger series on the Sermon on the Mount that we've been going on for two, three years. Who knows? Who's counting? And, and it's on judgment. Don't judge lest you be judged. And so we spent the first part of the series talking about love and the centrality of love. Because unless you understand how important love is, you'll never understand how bad judgment is. Because judgment is the opposite of love. And, and we saw that uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 sums it up. That if, 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 if what you're doing isn't done out of love for the purpose of communicating love, uh, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's not of any kingdom value. It can be very impressive by the world standard, very impressive by religious standards. You could wow crowds and build giant churches, but if it's not done out of love for the purpose of furthering love, well, it's altogether worthless. Love is the all or nothing of the kingdom. Uh, judgment is the opposite of that. It's the original sin of the Bible, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, uh, whereas love is ascribing worth to another at cost to yourself, that's what God does for us on Calvary. He says you're, you, you're, we have unsurpassable worth because... It's evidenced by the fact that he's willing to pay an unsurpassable price for us. Uh, so also we are described worth to all other people at cost to ourselves, as much as necessary. And so we can't love and judge at the same time. So we've been collecting questions as we've been going through the series and uh, had a ton. And so we had to whittle that down to a manageable five, six, or maybe seven. But, but the, a lot of the topics overlapped, and so we were able to kind of bind the, the questions. So hopefully, uh, if your specific question isn't asked, your concern will be addressed. Uh, by some other kind of variant of the question. And so with that, I will turn it over to Shauna Bourne, who has been struggling with the same ailment I had for about three weeks. It just goes after your voice. But you sound wonderful this morning. Let me just Thank say. you. I feel like I sound You sound wonderful, wonderful this morning. Let me tell you. You just got that. Oh, it's a heartache voice. Where's my ashtray? <laughs> yeah, really? no. no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Greg, would you like to introduce our panel so people sure. know who's... Sure. Shauna Bourne. Uh, well, yeah, no. These guys. A good friend, Bill Doherty. He's been such a blessing uh, to us in a lot of ways, continues to be so. And uh, what was your name again, dude? What was that? <laughs> a good friend, Cedric Baker. Love you having you. Yeah, thank you Thanks guys for being, for being agreeing here. to participate on this panel. Yeah, and that's Greg Boyd in case no one... Oh, yeah, I'm Greg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Greg said, thank you so much for sending in your questions. We got so many, and it's really cool to see like similar themes pop up, and so that really helps us to know, oh, this is what people, this is what people are really wondering, and this is what they're wrestling with and um, want to know more about. So like Greg said, if we don't ask your specific question, chances are the gist of what you are asking will get addressed. So thank you so much for that. We're going to kick it off, though, Greg, because one of the themes that kept popping up in the questions that were coming in was um, need, the, a need to unpack further the difference between discernment, which you've talked about in your sermons, the, the need to discern things, and right. judgment. And so more specifically, how can you pick a spouse, pick a coworker? How, there are things in life that we feel like we need to judge. And so what is the difference between discernment and judgment? Sure. Okay, so discernment is where you distinguish things. 
Um, and we have to do that all the time. Uh, th this is good for me. This is not good for me. Uh, this is kingdom. This is not kingdom. I think this political view is dangerous or I think it's helpful. We, 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 those are assessments we have to make. Um, and I, 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 so that's distinguishing things. What we're never allowed to do is, is separate ourselves from people and put ourselves over people. And that's what I'm calling judgment, is when we, we feed off the way that we contrast ourselves with others. We contrast ourselves favorably with others. And it it's, it's, can be subtle, but we're feeding a part of our soul. It makes us feel a little superior. We get a little bit of a, I call it the vampire, blood, vampire buzz. Um, we don't drink people's blood when we judge, but we do drink their worth. We suck off their worth. So we're ascribing worth to ourselves at cost to others. We're demeaning them to elevate ourselves. And we do a lot of that just in our heads. We have an autopilot that's been conditioned to, to, to just feed off of people. Uh, but we also do it in crowds. And that's what the Bible calls gossip and slander and, and, and things of that sort. And whereas Christians tend to wink at those sins, uh, those are major ones in the Bible. Because uh, this is all eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, one way to think about it is that when, when we discern things, it's always to solve a problem. Uh, it, it always has a practical purpose. Uh, am I safe or not? You're asking that question because you're wondering, should I lock my door or should I you know, lock the window or, or should I leave this crowd, you know, whatever. There's always a, a, a problem that you're solving. Whereas when we judge, it's not going anywhere. It, it, it's, it's, its purpose is simply to feed off of it. It's an end in and of itself. So that's one way to kind of think about it. Now, I've used those two different terms, discernment and judgment, to try to keep the two categories distinct. Um, I didn't want to talk about good judgment, bad judgment, because... Everyone feels like they have good judgment. <laughs> and so I, I, I wanted to keep a separate word for that. Bill, this last week, pointed out a shortcoming of this, however, and, and he's right about this, that discernment tends to have a, a, a it, it conveys a process. You know, you're trying to discern something. Mm -hmm. Whereas many of our judgments, maybe most of our judgments or, or evaluations are, are instantaneous. And um, there, the trouble might be that we don't discern them enough. And, and, and so it may be that we have to talk about good judgment, bad judgment, after all. Um, and the Bible sometimes, and most translations, translate the word judge both in a positive and a negative sense. And as a matter of fact, in the common vernacular out there, judgment is not necessarily a pejorative word. Uh, it can have, you know, you're a good judge of character. And so um, that, that, that language is like, I still continue to use discernment, judgment, most of the time, just because I'm used to it. But uh, um, there is a good kind of judgment. Uh, it, but the difference is that you judge for a purpose, a practical reason, a good outcome. And if you're doing it in the kingdom, it always should be a loving outcome. Uh, it's never something you feed off of and contrast yourself yeah. with. Yeah, and also in our conversation, what, one of the things that we talked about that I thought was helpful, and I think, Bill, maybe you raised this as well, so it's a good thing we have Bill here, um, is that the word discernment many times is used within Christian circles. Um, it, it's, very, it's very biblical, but um, people may not, and it is a process, but a, a more common word may be evaluation because we are, we do have to evaluate things instantaneously many times, like if we are safe in a situation, mm. should we do this or should we do that? So I think that's also a helpful context. Yeah. So throughout our conversation today, I may bring back up the word evaluation just to kind of help people remember. That is a good word. That's what we mean by discernment. And along the same lines with this question, let's go a little bit more specific because we wanna flesh this out as clearly as possible for people. Um, and Cedric, I think maybe you could help us with this, but uh, so say for like a supervisor, we had someone who wrote, wrote in who said, 
they were a supervisor of a large organization. Um, and the big part of their job is judging people's work performance, um, including their personal attributes and behaviors uh, that lend to that job. So how do you not judge people, again, tagging on to what Greg was just saying, when most of uh, the job description as a leader is about making judgments about people's work? So this is just another layer that I think we can help people flesh out a little bit. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good example, um, uh, an example that many of us would understand. It, it ties in perfectly to what Greg is saying that in many instances within our lives, we actually need to judge or evaluate mm -hmm. different things. And as a leader of an organization, um, I've been a leader of organizations and there is a part, that's a part of your job. A part of your job is to ensure that work performance is done to a certain standard. And so you are basing, you're not basing it off of stereotypes, you're not basing it off of what you think, you're actually basing it off of a certain standard that has been agreed upon within that organization. And so for that example, in my opinion, that when you're going through this process, you are always reverting back to that standard. The nuance to me in this is sometimes the biases that we have when we are going through the process of evaluating, to Bill's point, that standard. And a lot of times that's, in my opinion, is based on our experiences that we've um, had a lot of stereotypes. Um, we just live in a broken, fallen world. And so I think that we really need to be careful to really do this in a kingdom loving way. We are not sucking worth from the other person. And to me personally, I love leadership. If you are um, uh, doing your job as a leader, you are always thinking, how can I be and support this person to have and bring the best amount of value to this organization. And so in many instances, I'm thinking more about that person and what they need and less about me and what I'm trying to gain out of it. And so I just think sometimes that we have to be careful when we are going through this process of evaluating, so to speak, because sometimes it could be a trap if you're not careful on what are you actually evaluating, to what extent, and how are you using that information? What is it based on? Is it based on a stereotype that I've received? Um, a lot of times this is how racism shows up. It's based on stereotypes, and even though I'm quick to say that this person does this, this person acts like, act like this, where am I getting that information from? Am I checking myself you know, in that information? Yeah. That's an important distinction. Yeah, just to follow up on that, I'm just thinking about uh, stereotypes are prejudging, mm -hmm. right? It's not based on the person, mm -hmm. it's based on their category. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and these are, you know, because we live, as you say, in a fallen world, uh, these kind of come to us quickly. Uh, and, um, and then I think it's our responsibility as people and as Christians to interrogate those stereotypes, yeah. to question that my prejudgment. Uh, about whether somebody, uh, I, I was just reading a book recently about w women getting into heavy manufacturing and people assume a woman couldn't lift that stuff, couldn't handle the, that, that kind of hard work. That's a, that's a prejudgment. So we're responsible to notice the stereotypes that are self-serving. It's self-serving because my group, my group of men can do this. Okay, um, um, so to notice them, interrogate and question those so that we can transcend them. Wow. We, we uh, have often said around here, uh, talked about the importance of being a detective of your own mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Being a detective, like be curious. Our, our default tends to be that we think our map is the territory. Mm -hmm. The way we see things is the way things are, and we don't question that. Uh, 
But now, it, it, like never before, it's so vital because people's unquestioned prejudgments are getting farther and farther apart as they're getting siloed into their echo chambers. It's so important that kingdom people don't fall prey to that. And, and so we need to be aware of our thoughts. In fact, you know, that's one of the practices. We, we talk about gap, you know, and, and getting all your life from Christ and then agreeing with God about everyone's unsurpassable worth and praying for your enemies. And, and you, to, to agree with God about the people that you're seeing, you've got to be, uh, you know, thinking about your think. Uh, your job is to be verbing towards people. Love is a verb, and so being agreeing with God. And so, um, yeah, being self-aware is absolutely vital. Otherwise, otherwise, you'll simply, the way you experience yourself and the way you bring about the, whatever you do in this world would be simply sort of an outworking of stuff that's been done to you. Yeah. You, you inherited a self, mm-hmm. whereas we're called to intentionally bring every thought captive to Christ. And, um, and yeah, so, so what we inherit is from Christ, not from the way we were raised or what the culture's doing or all the other garbage that's gone into our head. Shauna, can I bring up one more yeah, point? absolutely. Based on what Greg said. I actually think that those that are leading people, there's more of a weight for you to really understand this because of the authority that you have over how people um, are operating within or within your authority. And so I actually think that everyone need to be, needs to do this, need to be interro- uh, interrogating our thoughts, need to be thinking about how we're thinking, how we're perceiving people. But those that are leaders, to me, there's a heavier weight, in my opinion, based on the authority that you have on what people can and cannot do. And so I think that people, um, I, I, I will say it this way, if you are leading people, there's a level of introspection that I think you yeah. need to really dig into based on the leadership that God has entrusted mm-hmm. to you. That's a great point. Beautiful, beautiful. I have a plaque in my office that says, don't believe everything you think. Mm. So <laughs> it's a good it's, saying. It's important to submit your uh, thoughts, processes to the Lord. And if you have made an evaluation, whether it's about am I safe or is this person capable, whatever it is, it's important to have that internal yeah. dialogue going to make yeah. sure that you're just not assuming that what you're thinking is reality, truth, or, or fully known. It's really, that's important. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, what the biblical teachings of Jesus that seem to say that we are to judge because there are those that kind of feel like they hear and agree with what we're saying about the judgment piece. Uh, Maybe we're getting a little unbalanced. So what do we do with those passages um, that say, uh, yes, Jesus says, do not judge. And we take that seriously, obviously, but he also says things like, why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? And then even the Apostle Paul saying, those who are spiritual judge all things, yet they are themselves judged by no one. And so how can we apply these biblical teachings as we should without being judgmental? Are you looking at me? I'm looking okay. at you. I'm just All lovingly right. looking at you. It looked like she was looking at me. Uh, that, means, that means I go. That's Okay, you. good. Hey, we are a well-defined panel. That's we right. That's right. I won't ask the question, what was the question? Again, yeah. Um, it, so I, I'd like to introduce another distinction uh, between, uh, because this word judge means so many different things. Correct. Uh, judging and being judgmental. And so we are called to judge, to evaluate, to discern uh, behavior, actions, larger systems. Is, is this just, is this kingdom? We must do that. 
Uh, judgmental to me means it's, uh, I am judging, evaluating the heart of somebody. Mm. I, am I am evaluating their motives. I know their heart. I know their motives. I, 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 and they become, to me, um, not a complex person with a big backstory of how they got to where they are. Mm. Uh, they become um, a stereotype. They become, uh, just as, they become their behavior. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, we are sometimes called to condemn certain behaviors but never condemn the person. Mm. That, that's for me the, the heart of this, it's the person and the behavior. And then I'm a therapist, and so, you know, therapists, we're always, we have to evaluate whether somebody is behaving in a way that is healthy or not, but we try never to be judgmental about them as a human being, as a person. We don't, we don't evaluate the heart of anybody, that's for God. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's good, Bill. Mm -hmm. See, I looked at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the right thing to do. <laughs> Feel free to do it again. <laughs> I might, I might. I think it's First Samuel. I forget the chapter. It's in First Samuel where it says, I think chapter 16, where it says, uh, uh, humans look on the, uh, the appearances, but God alone knows the heart. Mm -hmm. And we just mm -hmm. always have to remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, have you guys ever had to in that moment nuance that, like a behavior from a person, like you, you see a behavior from a person and you know that that behavior is obviously not uh, biblical or kingdom. Um, have you ever had to like remind yourself that, okay, what I'm seeing here is not good, but the person itself is still loved of God. Have you guys experienced that? I have, and it's hard. <laughs> um, I, I think you're fooling yourself if you think this is easy, right. which is um, why I think it, to me, it's like a muscle. Sometimes, Greg, you talk about it. Like mm -hmm. for us to get better at this and to mm -hmm. be able to evaluate um, in this way with judging the behavior and not judging the heart or the person, I actually think that, first of all, you need God, God's grace and love to be able to do it. Um, I don't think, I, I think that that is a manifestation of God's love. Um, seeing the person as God does, but also to, it takes time. And, I, and I'm very practical and you will mess up in the beginning. Like it's just a part of the process, but being able to do it in community, being able to hold yourself accountable in that way about having these types of conversations and not giving up on it, being, uh, understanding that that person has worth and disagreeing with um, the behavior to me is important the most thing that's important, even if you're messing up, is trying to show love, God's love, to that person. So just give yourself some grace um, in the process. It's, it's a process. So just know um, that it's a process, and at times you may not get it right every single time. Sometimes it helps to imagine a prequel. Everybody's got a prequel. And, and we all know our own prequel, and that's why when we screw up, it's like, well, if only you knew me, you'd understand. <laughs> but, but we don't extend that courtesy to others. And, and sometimes if it's a person that, that you really have trouble, you know, agreeing with God that have unspecified worth, imagine the prequel. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, it doesn't have to be an actual thing that occurred, but the kind of things that I might have. What turned this person into this you know, narcissist? What, what made this person so violent or whatever? There's a backstory. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we don't want to be, especially sometimes you have a, a job that doesn't let you let people off the hook. Uh, and so you have to hold them accountable. But if, if there's just a stranger on the street and someone that you don't have any kind of relationship with, um, your job isn't to figure out how much they're accountable for their behavior. That's God's job. Mm -hmm. And so just tell yourself the, the prequel and then agree with God that they have unsurpassable worth. Yeah, it's funny because it does take work. Like Cedric said, it's a muscle you have to work. And so, for example, 
not too long ago, I, uh, where we used to live, we had whenever we got deliveries or packages, there's this package room and you have a code and you have to get in there and to look for your packages. Um, and sometimes the code didn't work or the door, the door lock was always broken, so anyone could wander in, right? Uh, this particular day, I was looking for a couple of packages, and I know that um, that sometimes I look more uh, racial, racial I'm, I'm racially diverse, and sometimes I look more ethnic than at other times, right? That's just my reality. This particular day, I was, you know, whatever, curly hair, and just, so this older white gal comes in, and she immediately looks at me, and she's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm looking for my package. And she's like, you don't belong here. And I was like, well, actually, I do. I'm looking for my package. <laughs> and she was just very terse and accusatory toward me. And had I not been exercising that muscle, I could have been rude back. But, it, but I promise you, and I don't always do this, so don't like, think I'm awesome. <laughs> Sometimes I am. But <laughs> sometimes I can be awesome. But in this moment, like now. Yeah, yeah. In this moment, I was able just to like take a deep breath and just say, "Okay, Lord, she has unsurpassable worth. What is her backstory? There is a reason why she's a, a, assuming these things of me and treating me in this way." and allow me just to love her in this moment. Mm. And so I, I didn't feel like I was in danger, so I didn't have to like, so once I like assessed all of that, evaluated the situation, I was able just to have a cordial conversation with her. Now, did we become best friends? No, but I didn't react. I didn't respond yep. kind yep. for kind. I was able to show her respect and grace and then um, even help her find her packages. So it's just, it, it's something you have to work at because people are gonna come at you and it's not always going to be fair or right or justified but if we were rem and, and if you're not in danger right like that's the key for me in this situation I was able to remember that she is a child of God mm -hmm. that he loves her she obviously has some some stuff going on in her backstory that was being brought to the forefront and how she was treating me a perfect stranger because I looked like I didn't belong mm. so that's beautiful that's, that's that's beautiful yeah wow so with that, let's, uh, let's lean in a little bit into judgment and justice because we did get quite a few questions that felt like this series and what we've been talking about so far seem to a, a, a bit contradict some things we've said in the past, in particular like after George Floyd was murdered in 2020, we spent quite a bit of time speaking out against racism and systems and, um, and so people are a little confused and wondering like, how do we say, do not judge, leave that to God, and, and yet also say we are to judge these certain situations and systems and, and, and circumstances that happen that are pretty horrific. And even there's other examples too. Um, anytime like the vulnerable are being abused or whatever, like do we not speak out or is that judging? Or like there is a lot of nuance here. And so you find gentlemen, unpack it all. <laughs> Help these people out. After you told this heroic story. <laughs> yeah, try it guys. Yeah. Drop the microphone. Yeah. Um, one of the things that comes to mind from that, uh, that question is over and over in the Bible, it talks about, it's biblical to seek after justice, right? So we see that over and over in the Bible. I'm thinking about Isaiah, maybe 117, where it says, seek justice and defend those that can't defend themselves. And so I think that that is God's heart. I think it is his will for us to try our best to seek after justice. How you do it 
is, in my opinion, kind of the nuance where, where we spend our time. But I, as Christians, I believe that that is our job, that is our call. Um, when someone is hurting, when someone can't defend themselves, can't support themselves. Um, George Floyd, I am grateful and appreciative, uh, Greg and the church, on how we stood up during that time and really focused on the injustice of a lot of the marginalized communities here in the Twin Cities and all over the world and really stood up about it and talked about it. And people were able to have conversations and I almost say brought light into areas where it may have been unknown. And so to me, that is kingdom work. That is important. That is what we should um, be doing is seeking justice. The nuance to me is the how. How do I go about doing that and loving people, but yet calling out? And I think it's, we've kind of already hit on it a little bit, but the evaluation aspect of it, doing our best not to um, pull value or worth from the person, but understand that there are people that need help and support, and we as kingdom people have something that we can do. So as an example, um, I think one of the things that we were able to do here at the church is financially Mm -hmm. support other churches that were having these conversations and support them and what they were doing to make a difference here in the Twin Cities. To me, that is seeking justice. That is supporting people. That's one example out of many that I think that we need to do as kingdom people. And I probably lean more to um, having a heart to those that are um, marginalized just because I'm a black man living in America. (laughs) And so I always want to ensure that um, those that uh, the Bible says the fatherless or the widow or those that don't have, those that are poor, destitute, making sure that we have an eye to what they are doing, seeking justice, because ultimately Injustice is there is an unfairness that is happening Mm -hmm. with injustice that someone's rights are being violated with injustice like that is what's going on. And so as kingdom people, we're saying that that is not right. Mm -hmm. As Bill said, we're called to say something about it, but not we're not only just called to say something about it. We're called to do something about it. And so we need to find out ways of doing and being living this out without being judgmental to your point, without being judgmental to a lot of the power systems that are, that are happening um, to um, these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. And to, to follow up on that, um, uh, so George Floyd was murdered by a police officer, and there were several other police officers present. Uh, and a non-kingdom approach to this is to condemn those people as if we know their hearts mm-hmm. and to condemn all police officers. So I, I work with police officers as well as, as, as community members in the black community. And, um, uh, and, and the, just as there's so much variation in any racial group or any group, there's so much variation. There's so much variation among police officers, mm-hmm. among people who lead institutions that have racist practices. And when we condemn them as people, Instead of the system and the institution and the norms, we are not kingdom people at that point. And we just perpetuate the cycle of blame so that that black people are subhuman or police are subhuman. Mm -hmm. No, we're all human. We're all children of God. Boom. I agree. Uh, Can I make one other point on that? Yeah. We will Um, allow it. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm grateful that Bill is on this panel because this is what he does. Like he, he digs into a lot of these conversations. 
I also want to say that um, to Bill's point around ensuring that we are not saying that a people group or people are subhuman, right? When it comes to the whole George Floyd situation, um, I had a lot of conversations with people that needed time to get to where Bill is talking about. Yeah. There were so many, it, I look at it as trauma. Like a lot of people mm -hmm. have faced trauma in their lives and I don't actually think that it is kingdom to say that you need to be here right now at this point. Mm -hmm. I think that we need to allow people to have grace. The goal is, is making sure that people show love and worth to every human being. But there have been situations and issues where we need to love people as they mm -hmm. move on their journey to where Bill is talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is a process, you all. It is a process, and we need to ensure that people understand that it's a process. So. I am saying, and, and I want, please don't um, misinterpret what I'm saying. What Bill is saying is biblical. It is the right thing to do, and it is where all of us need to be. What I'm saying is it may take some of us, including myself and you, some time to get there. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank That's you. such a good point, Cedric. In fact, Okay, oh, yeah. You may. Uh, you may. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep it short, though. <laughs> okay, sorry. I love it. I'm the senior pastor here. <laughs> um, now, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, this justice issue, this, this is where I think we can be, have such a distinctive thing to offer the world because justice and hatred are almost going hand in hand in the world. Uh, yeah. uh, we stand for justice and everybody will hate you. Mm -hmm. And, and, Everything we do has got to be motivated by love. Otherwise, it has no kingdom value, and it's not eternal. Uh, able. And so uh, when we're fighting for justice, it's because we love the oppressed and love those who are being dehumanized. Their imago day is not being acknowledged in the context. We love them, but we also have to do it out of love for the people that are doing the oppressing. Um, because, I mean, this is what I love about Martin Luther King, because he always he said that if you're going to march here, I want you to do it not just for your own freedom, but for the freedom of those oppressors, because until everyone's free, none of us, us are truly free. free. And, and, and so it's, it's out of love for, for, you know, Mark Chauvin, you know, Derek I don't Chauvin. know, oh, Derek Chauvin, yeah, Derek Chauvin. Uh, I don't know what his prequel is, mm -hmm. but um, he's, he, he is, he, he's made in the image of God. And he's, he's a terribly flawed person, but he's in bondage. I mean, to be able to do this, something about your humanity died. And, and, and so while the world hates him, will there be one group of people that, as much as we detest what happened, what he did, but we, can we pray for him? Can we be one group that loves him? And because uh, in the end, it's not hatred that's going to change him exactly. or change anybody. Exactly. It's only love. It's the only thing that, that works. And it's yeah. the most powerful force on the planet. Amen. Yeah, and I think to connect the dot um, more clearly for those who are wondering, like, wait, why are you guys getting off on this? Because this is important, right? We, we do speak out against systems. We do speak out against structures and practices. We do judge those as wrong when they are wrong. But we have to have the mind and heart of Christ to look at the people, even though they are flourishing or even perpetuating those systems as children of God and try to love them and see where they're broken and pray for them. I yep. think that's exactly what we're saying. And that's how it ties back to the judgment series. Yeah. Systems are different than people. Even people flourishing in the systems, they're still loved of God. And that's hard.
hard sometimes, <laughs> yep. but it's, it's part of what we're called to Our do. Our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and yeah. rulers and authorities yeah. in dark places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Systems. Amen. All right, so what about other Christians? Can we judge them? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Those other judgmental right? Christians. Uh, oh, it is so much fun. <laughs> yeah, isn't it even, is it our duty to judge other Christians when they are living in sin? Mm. Can we not? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? <laughs> Good, let's start with ourselves. Okay, so more specifically, because I'm not really kidding, um, (laughs) no, no, more specifically, um, we have someone who wrote in who said they have a friend who is a Jesus follower, but some of their actions and things going on in their life are very un-Jesus-like. So whenever this friend tries to confront them with their behavior, the friend just says to them, you can't judge me. Right? Like, you don't get to judge me. And so, um, what do we do with that when we uh, see other brothers and sisters who are living in an un Jesus like way or behaving in un Jesus like ways? Are we allowed to confront and judge? Well, you know, if I could weigh on that, um, it, uh, uh, I mean, it'd be easy for us to be the, we're the non judgmental church, unlike those <laughs> judgmental churches that, that Anti-Pharisaical Pharisees. Uh, but see, if, 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 if you go to somebody and you point out something that is, is, is off, if this isn't consistent with your kingdom call, and they say, you can't judge me, well, now you, that's clarifying. Apparently, we have a relationship where I don't get to speak into your life. Um, and I don't think you should speak into their life unless they have invited you to. Now, there's going to be exceptions to that if they're harming themselves or you know, certain circumstances where love would require that you say something because they're damaging themselves or whatever. But, but all other things being equal, um, the proper context in which you can speak effectively in someone's life is when you, A, know them well, you, they've invited you to get on the inside of it, and part of your relationship is uh, you get to help me live out this kingdom life and I get to help you, and so we speak into each other's life. And so... The response is, you don't get to judge me. Well, clearly, they did, they did not have that kind of a agreement on, on, their, on their relationship. Uh, there was no covenant there that rendered that uh, uh, inappropriate thing. You know, the Bible says, uh, love is not rude. First Corinthians 13, love is not rude. And it's rude to go up to somebody you don't know and say, I disagree with what you're, you know. It, it, it's just, it, it will come across as judgmental, even if your intentions are... are uh, and if you're friends, like this person feels like, maybe you've got to redefine that friendship. <laughs> because if, if you've gone to them to say, hey, I'm seeing this in your life that doesn't seem Christ-like to me, exactly. and you're saying, you don't get to judge me, well, then maybe, maybe you guys need to redefine that. Right. I've had friends in my life who have held a mirror up to me and said, Shauna, like, is, is this, I don't feel like this is who you are, but this is what, like, look at, look at this behavior. And that's been very helpful. But... But that's the relationship that we have, exactly, and we both yeah. know that. And that's very different than some other person whom I don't know or who ha- whom I right. haven't invited in saying, hey, this thing about you, right. you know, it's, it wasn't invited. Right. Yeah, I have a, a neighbor who told me just the other day when I was, she's a new neighbor and was getting her story, uh, that she, in her first marriage, uh, her husband was uh, alcoholic, abusive, and had multiple affairs. Mm. Uh, she hung in there for 10 years. Uh, and uh, she was in a Christian congregation, and when she said finally she had enough and she had to divorce him, sadly, um, another church member um, who didn't know her that well uh, said that that's wrong, that that's not what Jesus would want. Uh, she told me the story, this is m- many, many years later, like 
40 years later, it, it, still, it still hurts her. Uh, and that's an example of the opposite of what you're right. referring to. Mm -hmm. And, and, it, and well, why would somebody do that? It goes back to, I think, what you're saying, Greg, about, uh, hey, if I'm still married, and maybe I've struggled, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and you're not, well, then I elevate myself. I elevate myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and it gets Christianity in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Can I also just say, too, that um, when people haven't invited, and I agree with Greg, when people haven't invited you in on their life to say anything, one of the things that we can always do as Christians is live a life that allows uh, to support someone else. And so it's not always exactly what you are saying. I have heard many examples where people have said, I actually watched this person for years and based on what they said and how they treated people, I actually started to think differently about something. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I think that we need to be thinking through as Christians is how are we living our lives? How are we modeling the kingdom behavior so others can see us as um, a conduit of the love and mercy of God mm -hmm. as well? Mm -hmm. I think it's hard to, like if we're gonna be gut level honest, just to admit that we're not the boss of everybody. <laughs> like We don't get to like tell everybody their business. Even right. though I'm a believer and you're a believer doesn't mean that I get to like read you your mail. It's, it's <laughs> not. We have to, again, consider our motives, consider what's going on in our heart. Why do you feel the need to confront something? Now, if it's dangerous or harmful, like you mentioned, Greg, then absolutely, that is the loving thing to do. But if you've not been, if you're not in that kind of a relationship, you may be doing more harm then good. And I think we just have to, again, submit all of that to the Lord. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, um, many times uh, all this judgment and this disagreement and um, it can lead to relational breakdowns. And so we have uh, an example here where a person says they really want to put into practice, do not judge the whole message of this series with some family, family members, but they need help because they are in the middle of a relational breakdown in their family where they're not even talking to each other mm -hmm. anymore. And it's because of the polarization we're experiencing in our world so rampantly today. And so how can, how can you cross that divide when there's just been such a breakdown how do we not judge when the gulf is huge between us? Well, this is happening more and more. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, this is epidemic. Mm. And a couple of things are say is, uh, we'll say is that when family members split apart over politics, they're often trying to change each other. Mm. They're trying to change each other. <clears throat> what I call being gladiators. <clears throat> it's uh, unacceptable to me that you would have this view or that you would support this politician. I can't maintain my own emotional regulation, self-regulation, knowing that you're for something, right? And, and so it's, um, and then you have to change. You change so I feel better. Mm. Uh, try that in families. <laughs> well, in fact, we try it all the time. And it hasn't worked in the history of the world, but you know, we, we keep at it. Um, and so <clears throat> it's with families break down is when people get into combat to change, to try to change the other. And so give, give it up, <laughs> give it up. The last person in the world who's going to change the politics for you is a family member. Right. <laughs> <laughs> give it up. 
Secondly, don't let them pick on you so you can protect your boundaries. Yeah. Okay, you can say, not gonna go there with you. Mm -hmm. We differ on that, you can protect your boundaries. Because when people escalate, it takes two to escalate. You can escalate, I don't have to go with you, mm -hmm. yeah. okay? So if we're doing this, <clears throat> I'm part of it. I'm part of it. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say <clears throat> is that we're being played by conflict entrepreneurs. <laughs> we are being played. <clears throat> ah, good. Don't let them hurt your family. Don't let them play you. Yeah. Good. Uh, that's good. Amen. <laughs> that's my job. Amen. Boom. Leave it. <laughs> that's it. Nothing else to say there. I actually think that's a bumper sticker. Hashtag, right. we are being played. <laughs> yeah. We are yeah. being played. So totally. don't fall into that trap. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Amen. Um, our final question for today, because look, time flies when you're having fun. Our final question wow. today is something that I think a lot of people have asked, whether they would admit it or not. They've wondered it in their hearts. And we started this series on it several weeks talking about God's love, his immense love for us, unsurpassable worth that we all have because he, he loves us. And so, and we often speak about this, God's love is unlimited and it, it just, it falls, right? Like, like the sun shines and it falls on everyone. And so um, we have folks who have asked the question, does that extend to mass murderers? And then start listing off the people who have committed some horrific atrocities, even just within the last month. Does God's love uh, extend to them? And if so, doesn't that cheapen God's love? If God's love is for all, then isn't it just a watered down, not very, powerful love if God loves Hitler yeah yeah I mean really what do you guys have to say about that <clears throat> I did my part <laughs> I did my part <laughs> um, I, I'll hurry up and say something to get out the way <laughs> um, I so I understand I think or trying to understand the heart of this person or where they're coming from. And I could see why they're saying it this way. Um, the atrocities or um, the issues that some have really committed um, yeah. has changed families, have changed the world. And again, it's hard <laughs> um, to really move forward in at times with love, I was thinking about a lot of these shootings that have happened recently and um, how students or people just in a grocery store mm -hmm. were not thinking about anything, living their day yep. and no longer here based on what one person did, the motive of one person. And what I think this person is saying is if we love that them, those people that the person that gunned down or mowed down, um, students or people in a grocery store, does that cheapen God's love? Mm -hmm. And I will say, part of me wants to actually say yes, <laughs> but no, it, it does not cheapen God's love. And I was thinking about just this overall concept of love and the value and the, and the price that God, Jesus paid for us on the cross and Generally, we would say, um, how much is something worth? And we, and the answer would be what someone is willing to pay for it, right? And so what we saw was that God was willing to 
sent his son, so his death, giving his life for us that are flawed human beings. And so I would like to turn that question around, actually, to say that it almost comes across as, and I understand what the person is saying, but you're better than that person or those people. And when we pull everything back, we are all fallen. We are all in need of a savior. And if Jesus didn't die for us, we would be lost. Mm -hmm. So we have to think about it in that way. That does not mean that there are no, there are no consequences for actions. That does not mean that there aren't consequences and penalties for actions here on earth. But that does mean that we don't still have the right to not love, we have to love, and we should not judge because we are also fallen. And if Christ didn't die for us and we receive that, we would be in a situation where we would be lost. Mm -hmm. And to, to follow up on that and to think of it psychologically, if I had had the backstory mm-hmm. of that young man who stalked that grocery store in Buffalo, Mm-hmm. That, and and, and mm-hmm. because it, it was black p- people going there, mm-hmm. horrible. Um, if I had had his story, and I, we're, I don't know much about his story, but I've had his story. Um, because we, we know enough about the darkness in those stories. Am I sure I would not have done that mm-hmm. if I had his story? Am I completely sure that I would have not have done something horrible? I can't be. I can't be sure. This is the fault of nature. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't be sure of that. So I can't condemn his heart. That's for, mm-hmm. that's for God to decide. Yeah, and in all honesty, if I can, there are times when it's hard to get to that place, right? Like, it is, it's hard. Like, we've talked about it. It's a muscle that you exercise. And, and when I'm struggling to get to that place, the place I can get to is, is God, I know your heart for this person. And your heart is that you love this person. You despise the heinous act that they just committed. You, you weep with, with yes. those who weep because of the act they just committed. Um, your intent is not for this person to have done this, but you're, you do love them. I can at least say that. And again, like you said, Cedric, it's a process. Sometimes it's easier than others. Sometimes because, you know, um, if, if it's more removed, if it's further away, if it's more historical, it's maybe a little easier to say, well, yes, God did love Hitler. Maybe that's not easy. I don't know. But um, when it's, when it's mm-hmm. close mm-hmm. and it's real and you're feeling it in the moment, it's hard sometimes. Yeah. But, but the place I can get to is to say, yeah, God does love that person. And to me, it doesn't cheapen God's love. It just shows the immense power yeah. of God's love, the beauty of God's love, and why he's God and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> really, that's the thing. His love is perfect and we don't fully understand it can't fully grasp it and necessarily wouldn't delve it out the way that he does yeah. he's his his love is perfect the only thing i'll add is that um because let me just first say that you guys it's so fun talking with you guys aren't they great it, it, you guys are just such a gift uh i just really appreciate you all but if you if there's someone listening or watching this message who um you think you're beyond the pale of God's love. Mm. And I, I just want you to know that I don't care what you've done. I, I don't care what you've done. Uh, and however heinous it may be, however 
much pain you've brought on others. Uh, well, this is what the whole, the whole shepherd looking for the one lost sheep is all about. He goes out, leaves the 99, and goes out and search for that one. You are, you are loved by God with an everlasting love. And there may be consequences to what you've done, but um, uh, God's love does not waver. It's not a meritocracy. Uh, it, it's because God is God. He loves like the rain falls and the sun shines. If you'll receive that, just accept that, it can transform your life, turn it completely around. I hope today you do that. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all for uh, being here. Yes. For tuning in. <clears throat> For sending in your questions and just engaging with this series, we super appreciate it. We want to remind you that Tuesdays at 4 p.m., the MuseCast, Dan and I will continue this conversation because I guess there's going to be more to say. Also, gathering groups. If you want to get into a context, a space where you can discuss what you're hearing uh, on, in the weekend sermons with other people via Zoom, you can do that. They're a great place to do that. Uh, if you need prayer, please, please, please let our prayer partners agree with you in prayer, both in-house and online. And if you're going to come back next week and you have kiddos, make sure you save a spot for them back in Heroes Gate. Thank you, everyone. We God bless really you guys. Don't forget Gap. <laughs> <laughs>